Hello and welcome to This Week in Indian Retail, the podcast where we dive deep into the vibrant world of retail in India. I'm your host Pratik Malik and I'm here to bring you the latest industry personality conversations and invaluable learnings from the ever-evolving Indian retail ecosystem. We are now available on major podcast apps including Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Audible and Google Podcasts. This is September 3rd of 2023. Let's get started. Our featured guest this week is Samir Shah, the director at Candle Partners, where he's been making waves for a remarkable decade. With a strong foothold in consumer and retail markets, Samir's expertise is second to none. Prior to his tenure at Candle Partners, Samir spent over 7 years at Ernst & Young, rising to the position of AVP in the transaction advisory practice. His portfolio includes successful deals in the retail consumer products, industrial products and education. Samir's career spans a wide spectrum of financial services from M&A to PE advisory to valuation and debt restructuring. He began as an equity research analyst at Capital Metrics and Risk Solutions, gaining vital experience in the field. Tune in to this episode as we tap into Samir's wealth of knowledge and explore the dynamic world of Indian retail through his experience lens. So let's get started. So we have Mr. Samir Shah with us today from Candle Partners. Hi Mr. Samir, nice to have you on the show. Hi Pratik, pleasure, pleasure to be on the show. Great. So Samir, let's start off with a quick background of yourself and Candle Partners and what exactly you and the organization are trying to do in the retail segment. Sure. So Candle Partners was started uh, way back in 2011. Both the founder uh, Navroj Mahudavan and myself were uh, part of Ernst & Young in their investment banking practice doing the same stuff which includes M&A and private equity advisory. We see the while at Candle we were doing lot of the larger stuff, which is sort of helping larger enterprises in raising capital and you know sort of fulfilling their ambitions of M&A. Uh, we realized that there are a lot of emerging family businesses, which you know which were looking at advice at uh, either growing, raising capital, or you know fulfilling their ambitions or aspirations of maybe doing a potential buy side or a sell side advisory piece. So that was the genesis of founding Candle Partners. We essentially support family-driven businesses in either raising growth capital and taking it to the next level, or either helping them in buying a company uh, for growth, or if a family wishes to exit the business. So our our genesis is actually focusing on family-driven businesses than larger corporations. Retail and consumer happens to be our uh, forte within Candle. Thanks to, of course, our experience at Ernst and Young, having successfully done a couple of transactions there, and also at Candle, where we've done fair amount of closures in this space. So, to just to give you a brief on the sum of sure. some of the stuff we did at Candle, you on the kind of work we do at Candle. We were advisors to this city chain called Theobroma, which is now I would say one of the largest patisserie chains in India, yes, in raising yes. growth capital. I I uh, do remember Theobroma, Samir, and it happens to be one of my famous favorite patisserie chain. I can say. <laughs> uh, yeah, it happens to be a favorite patisserie chain of I think most of the guys thanks to their brownies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yes. So you know, Theobroma was a great story. Started with one store in Kolhapur, grew it, they grew to around eleven, twelve stores. They, uh, that's when we we started interacting. 
and uh, you know it's 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 one of the largest particular chains now so we help them raise capital from say ventures there is a there is a niche brand called hrx uh, which is of course conceptualized by a media agency yes, and this equation yes. correct correct we were advisors to hrx to take a strategic investment from mintra we have done fair amount of work in the apparel space we were we were advisors to this thailand based group called murjani who own the tommy hilfiger perpetual rights in india right so india was the only market where the brand were actually sitting outside so that got pulled into the parent pvh co so we were advising murjari group on that transaction we've done fair amount of works in the family driven food businesses operating out of india so there's a very niche company operating in the food accompaniment space which is into which is essentially serving ketchups and sauces in so there's a company called adina tiger who's sitting out of pune Right. We helped them raise external capital from Paytm. Sure, sure. There was a spices company called Himadri. Uh, again, operating out of a very small corner in Masjid Pandar. We helped them raise uh, raising. We helped them raise growth capital from Seed, which is a large European foods fund. So that's the kind of work we do. That's the bread and butter. And the beauty about you know working with this is you know you get to learn a lot on how they're growing businesses, and it's great to sit with families and understanding how their journeys evolve. absolutely and i'm sure i mean on the way when you actually interact with these firms and when you actually understand their challenges we understand there is lot more to business than you know what the books or the you know corporate experience tells us and especially as you talked about family businesses so there are a different level of challenges and the entire transformation takes a lot of efforts and you know thanks to firms like you we are able to formalize such businesses as well No, no, I'm pretty absolutely as we speak. You know, as we just discussed a few minutes back, also I think the learning you get from interaction is much more than what you see on or probably read from a balance sheet. Absolutely. So, Samir, moving ahead, the Indian yeah. retail industry is evolving like anything. Our own Prime Minister is taking their own level of economic targets. Ministers of Commerce like Mr. Piyush Goyal. also are taking several efforts to empower this segment of the industry and now i i feel that maybe some years down the line i think retail may actually get an industry status considering it actually employs a majority part of the a significant part of the workforce around 5 to 7% of the country which is employable currently so how do you see the current state of the growth of indian retail what do you think over the past years have been the major challenges and what do you think is actually driving the e-com d2c and the future developments so if you can shed some light on that i'm sure a lot of our listeners would want to understand on that sure so you know i think we are all aware of how large our retail industry retail sector is and i think uh, your bank over and some of the points thing it needs uh, it needs to be classified as a separate industry now because it's fairly large it's Almost close to a nine hundred billion dollars industry growing at a CAGR of almost ten percent. But you know what has changed is, and 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 we all saw what happened in COVID, right? I mean, a few months of no action, and then a complete surprise with uh, a kind of action we saw in the online space, right? I mean, it was a complete emergence of online retail, which happened during that phase. So, you know, online, while the traditional industry will continue to drive. I continue to grow. Online is going to be growing much faster. You know, close to double of what the overall industry will grow. So, 
that is one of the key points and and let's try to understand what is essentially driving the overall retail sector and what is driving the online space so if you look at india i think perspective the most important thing which is going in our favor is the demographics right i mean correct uh, very true 65% of the population is within the age of 18 to 55 yes. which is which is going to be which are key consumers right, right. very true cases. very true Yeah. yeah so compared to any other developed economy or minus china of course or uh, the entire european region this is going in our favor and i think that that this is the place where uh, or in our country if i may say people are bullish and number two while online is growing and it is a 70 billion dollar industry today the the online as a percentage of total retail is still quite quite small and i think there is huge room for growth yeah. what is what has helped not speak over the last in fact since covid is the funding which has sort of come in over the last 2 to 3 years has done multiple things one is that it's it helped new age brands getting created brands which were never in existence like mama Earth, you know you know i mean this brand was even year about it 5 7 years back and look what right. covid done covid's done right it's a <laughs> extremely strong uh, challenger brand which has been created you do have brands like sugar you have brands like lenscard all of them have mushroomed or have come stronger over the last 2 to 3 years so the funding which has come in has led to innovative launches have led to category creations categories which we never saw right and we never saw a, a, a coffee range of face washes you would have never heard that 5 years back <laughs> right, but right. Uh, so you have you have these kind of things come up you have you have a company like boat which is a great wearables company pre covid you could essentially look at a sony or some of you know other brands but now you have a large domesticated driven brand which has come up thanks to the funding and the penetration of online retail right so other thing when i when i mentioned about the demographics i think two key people changes which are happening thanks to the efforts of the government also is that there is more urbanization which is happening you have more and more people from the rural who have urban aspirations who are moving and number two thanks to the economic growth even the buying power of a rural consumer is increasing so you have three factors which are going to drive consumption one is our demographics one is our increasing urbanization and the third is you know the spending power of the rural population itself is growing so you know these are great three levers which are going to drive the right very true Samir I think you're absolutely on point with the drivers of growth and for sure the e-com has to definitely come up to a level where it becomes competitive enough for the actual offline market as well well said so absolutely moving ahead on this so i mean we are all seeing growth prospects in the indian retail as you mentioned there are products there are product segments there are brand classifications which did not even exist or nobody imagined a few years ago but now they are a part and parcel of our life in fact some products are a part of our weekly or our daily grocery sales or you know buying basket and you know these are also available on platforms like blinkit zomato etc and it has become that common and easy now so moving ahead on that like do you think there are some specific innovations some specific digital enhancements which are actually influencing the customers or reshaping the landscape in india Yeah, absolutely. If if I may, I just would want to talk about how this is happening thanks to the omni-channel strategies of a lot of companies. Right today, a lot of companies who started 
as C2C brands have actually become omni-channel. So if you look at the you know influx of technology within all this, I think it's a great driver for a lot of these brands. Uh, let's take for example a company like Nike, right? They have a face tracker algo that right. detects your lip size, cheeks, applies virtual cosmetics, and actually shows you how uh, a particular product looks. Um, let's, I mean, assume you walk into a Pepper Price store. Um, uh, you have augmented reality, which is which will give you a perspective of uh, 3D visuals, which can actually tell you how a particular piece of furniture will look uh, in your drawing room. Uh, if you look at Lenskart, I mean, that is uh, simply amazing. They have a 3D virtual trial room that actually allows customers to feel as if they're in a physical store. Things which are happening uh, in these new age companies, uh, you know, are, are, are great things which are, uh, you know, sort of driving the online retail. Right, very true, Samir. And in fact, brands like Nike, Pepperfry, Lenskart, I think they're doing amazing stuff with technologies like AR, XR, machine learning, face recognition, and trying to bring a very novel experience for all the consumers as well as making life of a lot of people simple. And I think for a lot of these tasks seem to be a little mundane also to do in offline retail earlier, which are now possible, you know, at the click of a button at your home. So definitely exciting times that we're living in. And uh, while you mentioned uh, about pepper fry, I would just like to take a moment to mentioned to the audience that just uh, recently itself we got the bad news that one of the founders of Pepper Fry, Mr. Murthy, has passed away and I think he has brought a lot of innovation into the industry and I think on behalf of the industry we would like to express a gratitude for all the efforts he took as well. Yeah, that's, that's, that was a very uh, uh, extremely depressing to read yesterday. Yes, yes. But I'm sure, I mean, the organization is already on very solid foundations. And I think we are proud to be a part of the ecosystem where such people exist and continue to exist. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So moving ahead on this topic, as we all understand that all the retailers and e-commerce companies in India, while growing, they're definitely facing their own level of organic challenges. But there are a lot of industry intrinsic challenges. There are a lot of market dynamic challenges, there are a lot of external factors and variables which are now creating an entirely new range of, you know, an entirely new, you know, I would say value of obstacles for these startups to grow. And a lot of that has to do with the condition of the economy and the financial condition itself, right? So now as a, as an investment professional, as a professional who guides companies on these topics, I would like to hear from you. And I'm sure a lot of listeners are waiting for, you know, deeper conversations like this, wherein they would like to know that what is actually stopping? What are those challenges? And, you know, how a startup or a growing stage omni-commerce brand can actually deal through this? Sure, I think you've raised a very valid point, uh, Pratik, because we all know what the industry is essentially going through right now. I think lack of capital is, is what is actually sort of, you know, affecting the, the growth companies. So what happened during COVID is because there was a lot of emergence of online retail, which came in, uh, companies were growing at, you know, maybe 40, 50% month on month and ended up raising a 
large amount of capital and as the economy opened up and as uh, physical retail opened up i think most lot of these companies started seeing slower growth cost of acquisitions started going up and the profitability target never started coming for these companies so what has happened is thanks to you know globally the interface sizing and capital not being available now for most of the companies and the growth coming down thanks to physical stores opening up the funding has sort of dried up now with the funding drying up there are two options for the companies one is to essentially conserve cash which means you don't spend too much of marketing uh, slow the growth down and target to achieve profitability and if that is not happening then the other option is to look for an exit so what what our advice has been to most companies and i think more, what most companies are doing now is firstly try to create a profitable business that is that is a, a key thing which investors are asking for the way people are doing this is you know trying to reduce their cags trying to move more direct traffic on their own website than marketplaces because that essentially gives you higher margins right and and you know technically prepare for profitability because every investor is today asking that if we are not profitable today what is the path to profitability i think that's the most important thing so that's been that's been our advice through and through to most of the retail companies we are interacting with from a trend perspective what we are seeing today is i think if you remember during the during this entire boom in online retail there are a lot of companies brands smaller to mid to larger who were who you know who ended up raising capital at 6x sales 7x sales etc absolutely it was very hefty valuation absolutely yeah yeah and, and that I, was happening because they were yeah. growing and i'm sure a lot of people who were trying to build genuine businesses during covid and during this entire depression kind of a period i mean they were totally blown off with these kind of Completely news and a lot of people actually got underwhelmed you know listening that okay you know even companies where the product is not ready or the you know pmf is not proven or the model is not set are actually raising a 5x or a 10x valuation i mean it was simply crazy right so as you mentioned no, it's a, it it's i think such a valid correctly. point yeah. uh, it's such a valid point which you brought up because we also do a fair amount of work in the pharma and the chemicals industry and you would have a specialty chemicals i asking you that right i am doing 100 crores of ebitda you are telling me you are going to value me at 10 to 12x and here is a guy who's at 100 let's assume 100 crore of sales is getting valued at 8x so you know he was like you know are we using the right benchmarks at both places so you know they were as you said they were completely bamboozled with the kind of multiples which were Absolutely. going on and of course Absolutely. the growths were also happening right but now what right. is happening is with the growth having rationalized multiples are definitely fallen and you can see that from the mnas which are happening right there a lot of the incumbents like your hindustan unilever or amarico going after uh, or maybe even a tata consumer going after the d2c brands right which which are between 3 to 5x of sales so that's a that's that's a key thing which that's a key thing which we are seeing see the good good companies and the good brands and the good differentiating brands will continue to get funded it's just that the multiples are getting rationalized so i think that this is this will persist for some time but it's good for the industry i feel because right, people right. are now thinking about profitability you're seeing this from in fact just in the last 3 4 days you're seeing lot of the new age companies either narrowing the losses correct or they're actually announcing the profitability right and so that was come with profit nisho nisho announced two days back that 
So I think we are all happy that as consumers and as uh, you know fellow professionals we all understood how these business models worked and uh, you know the kind of association on a psychological level also which consumers had with these brands fortunately able to make profit and fortunately able to you know set an a right example in the market that you know even models can survive maybe you need to recalibrate it a little smarter you know at an earlier at an earlier stage <laughs> versus waiting for a decade or so yeah absolutely absolutely and just to continue our uh, conversation on what is happening in the industry and you know what you know what factors would investors sort of consider now and when uh, you know how much is the direct website sale or own website sale versus marketplace because that's a right. key driver towards brand loyalty correct uh, what are the repeat rates like i think fairly important is there any differentiator because today you have you know so many brands mushrooming in the market uh, let's for example take the uh, beauty and personal care right? uh, you have to have some differentiator because today you have n number of companies apart from i'm not even going into uh, if you look at face washes for example you have all your traditional cosmetic guys who are offering face washes but you need to have a differentiator right. so unless you have that it's fairly tough and then the most important thing is if you're not profitable today what is your path to profitability as long as the investor is convinced on that I think I think there is capital available. If there are good times, there are good stories. There are there is capital available. Absolutely, well said, Samir. So there is definitely opportunity in the market. There are definitely takers for the good opportunity, and there are definitely seasoned investors who understand good companies. You know when they see it, right? Absolutely. And for companies which have raised capital, have achieved the scale. may not be getting growth you know for the capital you you have the large incumbents who are even ready to do anything so that's also good for the ecosystem yeah yeah absolutely i think eventually if you understand i think for our listeners also who sometimes get surprised with all these mergers demergers and mna is happening is that i feel sometimes consolidation of a particular segment or a niche is good for the market right because that brings more focus in the market right no absolutely and uh, these are uh, your larger ones like you deliver was sitting nicely had so much cash sitting never really went behind getting a yeah d2c brand being developed so they are getting they are in a very good situation you are getting right. opportunities today in the market at reasonable valuation absolutely right samir yeah so samir is very well uh, elaborated on the challenges and the economic factors that are happening in the industry now samir we would also like to discuss about the actual role of technology in this financial or the evolutionary growth journey of a brand right the one part of technology i think which most people are able to understand is that to grow in the market you should deploy more of technology into your products and the way you are conducting retail or omni commerce business but i think parallelly a lot of dependence of technology is also in maintaining the internal processes for all the factors that you mentioned and there are a lot of internal and external advices on these topic which end up actually confusing a lot of these entrepreneurs 
So, what is your take on that, Samir? And you know, what is your experience so far on this? No, no, it's 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 a real world problem actually, uh, Pratik. See, let's understand most of the companies which got funded traditionally were smaller outfits, right? So, right, you know, there was no concept of a of a CFO. I mean, just forget the concept of a CFO. There will be a finance manager or an accounts executive. Exactly. Uh, right. Most of these guys would have been operating on tally. Now what happens? You are using a tally software which makes a makes a balance sheet when the CA asks you for a year. There is there are no monthly balance sheets drawn. There is no concept of an MIS monthly MIS. There is no concept of a monthly MIS if you were making one which tallies with the real PML. Now what happens? You raise funds. You don't have the right databases which can generate the right level of data which you can submit to an investor. So a traditional company which is now being funded. now needs to move from a tally operating system to a sap right which will enable you to give all the kind of reports and analysis yeah. and stuff which Correct. an investor rightfully requires right because he's putting in right. his money so the report should go out right but the teams are not well equipped because to be fair to them they were using a fairly older system and now you suddenly have a sap which is difficult to use it's extremely difficult to generate reports and this you know how to use it. so this is a real world problem which we are seeing company space i think the way people have tried to mitigate is and that's been their advice to every company i think is that a finance function for long is always ignored but i think it's the most critical function so we always have been advising our clients if you're keeping large budgets for marketing ensure you keep some money to set up a nice and good accounts team because the value of information is quite underestimated if i get the right level of levers and the right level of analysis and details you can take corrective corrective actions fairly fast what is the actual difference between expectation versus reality of utilizing these heavy tech solutions what parts are actually useful for being properly audited should they look for other solutions should they focus more department wise how they should train their teams around this what is your experience so far i mean so, how how did the good brand sail through all of this so i think you know having the right reporting for your key functions goes in a long way in helping a brand sort of manage growth and also take corrective action so i think reporting of the entire sales functions into buckets extremely critical having secondary level data from the market extremely critical having the right you know breaking up your pnl and looking at your pnl from different aspects extremely critical so i think these three things are fairly important from any company's growth perspective yeah makes sense so i think what any company needs to focus on as you're saying is firstly get your basic processes and then reports correct yeah once these are absolutely. corrected then please move on to more transformative action right absolutely all right great enough samir So Samir now I think let's talk more about what Candle Partners is trying to do and what have been some of the more successful stories that Candle Partners got involved in particularly with the Indian retail industry and what has been the entire approach in invest in terms of investment banking and the advisory portfolio that you're catering Sure so you know I'll love to I'll be a foodie and from a from a consumer angle i love to talk about theobroma because sure, sure. it was a it was a nice small family driven business which actually got institutionalized 
from you know operating from a small kitchen with supporting 10-11 stores going all the way up to now I think from, from, from just Bombay I think now they are serving in 6 to 7 cities streamline their operations Correct. standardize their products the biggest biggest you know the the biggest difficulty right for a consumer product is to standardize especially foods food which is served fresh which has a shorter shelf life so I think at Candle one of the real success stories for us was raising capital for a small patisserie out of sitting out of Bombay raising a large round and seeing it go from one city to multi-city and today being one of the largest patisserie chains in India right so Samir any interesting takeaways from the journey of Theo Brahma which maybe other companies can also look up to and what have been the role of basically candle partners in terms of advising them like any anecdotes which maybe the listeners who may want to also get connected may want to understand a bit so you know one of the first things before we start working with clients is we we ask them to think think 10 times on whether they need external capital because it's extremely important to first understand the usage of external capital before going for you know the actual option because in the market principle, just because company ABC is raising capital, you want to go ahead, but without realizing what are you going to be using it for. So, if you have equity within our our advice, always has been use that money and a little, with a little bit of leverage to grow and come to a certain stage. And when you know there's a clear growth path from here to go ahead and raise capital, I think that's been our advice to a lot of retail and consumer companies because. Capital is costly and retail, if not done right, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough and a loss making business, right? So, very, very critical. Absolutely makes sense, Samir. So, Samir, I think with this we come to one of the last parts of our conversation. It's been quite interesting, frankly. I would, I would love, love to go for two, three hours on this. <laughs> Maybe we can do certain parts okay. to it later on. Sure. But uh, before we conclude, like, what are your closing thoughts on the key advices for retailers and entrepreneurs who are looking to thrive in this landscape? What are the things they should get right first? And what's ahead in the industry? You know, what's the future? What should we anticipate ahead? Sure. So for, for, for retail companies and entrepreneurs, I think one of the most important parts is, you know, getting their product right. As I said in my conversation earlier, how different and what is the key differentiating factor for a product, I think, uh, unless there is a differentiator, very difficult to create uh, a niche in the market. Second thing is, you know, how are we going to create the brand and brand royalty and the trust? Because repeat rate needs to be high to ensure our business sustains. And I think it's very, very important to start thinking about the profitability at the start of your journey. I think it's it's gone are the days where you can you know sort of focus on only growth and say let's I'll assume profitability later I think those days are gone I think to build sustainable businesses which can go longer people need to start thinking of profitability fairly early in their journey right alright lovely speaking with you Samir thank you so much once again for all the enlightening conversation pleasure pleasure Pratik All. So with this, we close our podcast and we hope most of the listeners are able to get the major share of learnings about getting your valuations right and the correct 
SOPs are the correct kind of capital utilization which you should think of. That's a quick wrap for this week. If you're interested in being on our podcast to share your detailed experience or to reflect on the new developments, you can connect with me over LinkedIn at Pratik Malik. Keep listening to us and do share with your peers in the retail ecosystem. See you in the next one.